This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 22nd, 2018. An animated faith using your gifts. Yeah. Woo! Well, good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. And welcome to our final week of our July series, An Animated Faith, where we're looking at some Pixar films and uh, looking at some Christian themes within those films. Last week, we, um, we looked at the idea that it's okay to cry as we looked at the movie Inside Out. This morning, we're looking at The Incredibles, and the theme is using your gifts. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Thank you so much for joining us here at 100 West Green Street, and thank you for those of you who are joining us online. We've got people from Georgia, hey Natalie, and Patty, and Lori, and Fran, and lots and lots of people. If you're on vacation, be sure to know that you can tune in at 11 o'clock Sunday mornings for our live feed services. We are so glad you're here. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for this day, a day that you've made, a day that we get to just hang out with you, Lord, and with others. Settle us in that we might be changed and transformed by your love. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So the Incredibles, it's a story of a family of superheroes, each of whom possesses a superpower. Unfortunately, they're, they're not supposed to use these powers because they're part of a superhero relocation program thanks to a lot of damage that was done like 15 years before by the superheroes, costing the, where they lived way too much of the taxpayers' money. They couldn't afford to stay, keep up with the superheroes, and so they got relocated. And um, the film opens with Bob, Mr. Incredible, whose uh, strength is his superpower. He's living a... Uh, a uh, low-key kind of job, trapped pushing papers in a corporate cubicle as an insurance claims adjuster working under an unbearable boss. At this point in life, Mr. Incredible, or Bob's greatest nemesis, nemeses rather, are not villains, but a receding hairline, a bulging waistline, and a compact car. Well, the only bright spots in Bob's life are his wife, and his kiddos. So his wife is also a suppressed superhero. Her name is Elastigirl. It's so fun to see her on uh, in the movie. Anyway, she's also known simply to the neighbors as Helen. <laughs> and also they have a daughter, Violet, who uses her superpower to render herself invisible. That's very cool. And she can also put up a protective force. We saw that in that clip. Um, and then there's a son, Dash. He's named very well because he is so lightning speed fast. And then there's baby Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack has yet to discover his superpowers. And so what we find is this family, the Parr family, and they're settled in to suburbia, just living out life as ordinary people. When Bob 
Mr. Incredible gets a mysterious invitation to once again wear his super suit and enter a superhero world, he readily agrees without telling his wife or family. Uh-oh. Hello. Unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, this invitation actually was a mere ploy to draw him into a showdown with a pest from the past. And when his wife realizes that he's not, in fact, at the insurance conference that he said he was, she and the kids track him down, only to find he's once again in a life-and-death battle to save the Earth from evil. She and the kids activate their superpowers and join him in the fight. As Minister Incredible laments in the midst of the battle, no matter how many times you save the world, it always manages to get back in jeopardy again. So when the dust settles, the Parr family has used their superpowers for good, and the Earth is out of danger, at least for the moment. And so wouldn't it be cool for us to open up our closet door and pull out this superpower outfit and put it on, and then to go out and to use these superpowers to... <laughs> <laughs> so y'all got a treat because the other two services didn't get um, that. Last one got it at the Lenport. Oh, did they? Yeah. I didn't even see that. Yeah. Barry, Afterwards. you're just so creative. So clever. So clever. <laughs> Utilizing your gifts. You want to work here gifts. next week? You know, no, I'm kidding. Okay. Wouldn't it be fun, though, to just like put that on and say, all right, well, I'm going to go gonna out old, and save the world. <laughs> save the world. Instead of living in whatever our corporate cubicle might look like, we've all got those places and spaces because deep down we really do want to make a difference in others' lives, in the world, and perhaps that's why these superpower films are so wildly popular. Yeah, the truth is, though, we don't need a superhero costume to do something special. And when it comes to abilities and powers, we've, we've already been given the gifts necessary to do extraordinary things. Amen. 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 Because these things are called spiritual gifts. And they've been given to us by God through God's Holy Spirit. We read about them in several places in the Bible, including the 12th chapter of Romans, 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and the 4th chapter of Ephesians. These gifts include things like leadership, mercy, helping, uh, administration, faith, teaching, wisdom, uh, knowledge, healing, uh, encouragement, craftsmanship, music, speaking in tongues, interpreting those who are speaking in tongues, and the list goes on. I'm, I'm, I'm stopping it short, but there's many more. These gifts are given to believers. We're, we're told that in Scripture. We're told in Scripture that they are given to believers to allow them to go beyond the normal limits. I mean, like faith, you know, a lot of, every Christian has some faith, but this is faith beyond the normal limits, beyond what most people would think reasonable or, and those kinds of things. And so allows them to be, well, here you go. We're talking about superheroes. It allows us to be supernaturally empowered. It's supernatural because it's above nature. It's above the norm. It only comes from God. It allows us to be supernaturally empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Isn't that wild? Isn't that incredible? Thus, i give you an example. Like uh, Carrie, for example, has many gifts, but one of her primary gifts, it might be the primary, it's one of the primary, is uh, administration. Now, if you know Carrie, you go, well, well, duh, that's like, hello. I mean, Carrie is 
right? List, huh? I try. Lists for her lists. I mean, she's that is true. Huh? That is true. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, And 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 not only that, but she crosses things off to make sure they were done and make sure they're done in orderly fashion. I mean, Carrie cannot not put things in order and and in an organization. She cannot not do that. It's it's how she's wired. And see, that's the thing. These these gifts. You can't fight them. They, they're how you're wired. It's like this building is wired. It's how we're wired. And we, we really can't change that. That's how God set us up with these spiritual gifts. Back in 87, we had this class, Disciple, and I took this spiritual gifts inventory for the first time. And I found out my top gift was faith. And I went to Kira. I said, well, that's real exciting. What do you do with that? You know, I wanted singing, you know. <laughs> I know you're all going, good luck on that one. Yeah. Um, uh, So what do you do with that? Well, God showed me a few years later. What you do with it is you quit your job, you go into ministry at a severe pay cut, you know, the family still survives. And then a few years after that, all of you move 60 miles north and start a new faith congregation that's known as, yay, hello, there you go. That's what you do with the faith gift. Yeah, amen to that. So these spiritual (laughs) gifts are not just abilities. It's just not a talent. But it's an enablement, um, a capacity given by the Holy Spirit. You know, I can want this gift or that gift, but the Spirit determines what we get and to celebrate the gifts that we're given. And these Spirit gifts can't be earned. They can't be, you know, you can't like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then I'll get the gift. No, they are freely given. But it's God's determination on that. And here's the thing about the gifts. They're given to us for the glorification of God. To bring God glory and to build up the body of believers. To build up the community. Those are the two reasons why we're given spiritual gifts. Now let me give you an example of of this. So... I took piano lessons for 12 years, and I could play, but I had to work really hard at it. I practiced or not, and I, I, I could play, but it was more of a talent versus a true gift because I had to work so hard at it. When Stephanie sits down at the piano, oh my goodness, it's, it's a whole different level because it just flows. Stephanie, I know you have to work at it. I know you practice, but there's a difference in what you can do through the Holy Spirit and what I do because it's a talent. And so we all have talents, but we all also have gifts. If you claim Christ as the leader of your life, then you have been given a gift. That is a promise. That is a truth. We're all given, as believers, a gift, and some are given more. Again, we don't choose them. God chooses them for us. So it's not, the question isn't, do I have gifts? Because you do, if you're a believer. But then it needs to be recognizing the gift that God, or gifts that God has given you, and more importantly, doing something with them, doing something with them. There's a pastor in Washington, D.C. His name is Mark Batterson. 
solid ministry, solid pastor, and he wrote, um, he's written books, and he's awesome to go online and listen to preach, but he wrote this, and it's a little bit of a toe-stepping thing, but we're going to share it. We're going to risk here. Maybe the thing that causes God the greatest frustration and disappointment and sadness aren't the things we do wrong. Maybe it's all the gifts he's given us that remain unwrapped. Mm. Wow. Wow, that's right. So there's a, there's a story we find in the Old Testament. That's the first part of the Bible. And, and it's found in the book of 1 Samuel. It's chapter 14. Now, a company of Philistine soldiers, the Philistines are the long-term nemesis, the long-term enemy of the Israeli people. We're constantly in battle with the Philistines. And, and they're controlling a pass. That's, a, that's like a, a roadway, a valley, a passage between two hills, mountains, or cliffs, or whatever. And they're controlling this pass at a place called Michmash. And, and, and as such, then, they're holding the Israeli troops at bay. They, they can't move. Verse 2 tells us that Saul, the king of Israel, their leader, their military leader, that's what the king was as well as other things, a military leader, is staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. Hello? He's what? He's lounging. He doesn't say lounging, but that's what he's doing. He's under a pomegranate tree someplace else. And in other words, instead of fighting on the front lines, He's sitting on the sidelines. You get that? Front lines versus the sidelines. And there he is sitting. It doesn't say he's leisurely eating grapes and bonbons, but I'm just, we're just going to put an alanization in there for today, okay? It isn't the first time we've seen this from Saul. No. There's a story uh, some people are familiar with, the, the story of David and Goliath. The little boy who, who, the little shepherd boy who, who, who slays the giant with a slingshot. But here's the thing about that story. Saul was the king at the time. The, the Israeli troops on one mountain and on one hill and the Philistines on the other and in the valley between and the giant comes out. And, and, and the Israeli troops are shaking in their boots because this guy is like nine feet, six inches tall, I think it was. He's huge. And they're shaking in their boots. And, and Saul... Instead of stepping out himself, he sends out, he lets a little boy go out there. In fact, what he does is try to put his armor on the boy, and that doesn't work. And what's interesting, Scripture tells us that Saul was head and shoulders taller, head and shoulders above the other Israeli troops, the other Israeli men. This guy is, is a presence. I mean, you notice this guy. He's a big guy. And if there was anybody on the Israeli side that day that even would come close to matching up against Goliath in physical uh, uh, size, it would have been Saul, the king. But did he go out in battle, engage the, the giant? No. No. And he tried to dissuade David slightly, and then he tried to put his armor on him. And then he watched and allowed a little boy to do a man's job. Now, we know that the, the God had this in mind so that he could get the glory from David. We know all that, and that's important, and it's important that David did do what he did. But once again, the truth is Saul stood around and watched as a boy did a man's job. 
He stood on the sidelines then instead of getting in the front lines, and he's doing it again. He's doing it again in the 14th chapter of, uh, of, I mean, 1 Samuel 14th chapter. He's doing it again. So the question is, what about you? What about you? Erwin McManus, he's a prolific writer and a speaker um, in the Christian world, and he wrote a book called Divine Appointments. And he says something uh, he calls a sideliner. He asks if we are sideliners, like Saul was. And he defines a sideliner as someone who would rather observe life than living life. Sideliners would rather observe life than live life. McManus says that most people are sideliners because there's something about living life through somebody else. Okay, you go do it. You take care of it. I'll watch, but, but go ahead and take care of it. Perhaps that's why there's such an appeal for a superhero movie. You know, we all just go to them because we would rather somebody else take care of it or save the world than us. Mm. Earlier, Kerry Mor pa mentioned Pastor Mark Batterson out of Washington, D.C. He, he had a message called um, The Incredibles, Discovering Your Gifts. In fact, uh, that inspired today's message. It's a, it's a good message that he offered there. But in that message, he says, there is no room for sideliners in the church. There's no room for sideliners in the church. Church is not a spectator sport. You're supposed to get in the game. Supposed to get in the game. And he says there's two ways to get in the game at church. One, this is pretty simple. Everybody Invite somebody to church. Yeah, everybody could do that. Hello. And we try at different times to encourage, help you with that with a little, you know, postcard or something to kind of break the ice. That's one way. The second way to get in the game is to get plugged into a ministry at church. Okay. And here's the thing especially plugging into ministry. The more you give, the more you're going to get from out of it. I guarantee you. The more you give, the more you're going to get out. That's how it works. And, of course, it's easy to make excuses and, and to stay on the sidelines at church just like everything else. You know, we're all busy, right? We're all busy. We, we all have problems and challenges, and we all have enough to say grace over. We get that. We get that. The challenge, then, is in spite of all that, to get off the sidelines and get in the game, to get involved, to make a difference, to use the gifts God has given you. You know, we occasionally have a network class here to help you discover those gifts, and we encourage you to take that. But you don't have to wait. If you haven't done it, don't say, well, i got to wait till the class to discover my gifts to get in the game. No, you don't. Try something. Check this out. If you try something and it just doesn't, just doesn't work for you, chances are it's not your gift. So you know what you do? Yeah, you try something else. It's not, what did you say, a life sentence. It's not a life sentence when you sign up for something. <laughs> you only you, have to do it once a month, actually. Yeah. I mean, try it for three months. Yeah. If, it's not, if it's not, you know, uh, working for you, Try some. We got a lot of ministries here. You could probably be several years trying it every three months until you find the right one. We'll keep, we'll help you. It's important to get in the, to use those gifts God's given you. Mr. Incredible, back to the movie. He was on the sidelines for a long time in that little corporate cubicle, sitting on the sidelines. 
And it wasn't easy sitting there, but it wasn't easy getting back in the game either, man. That, that outfit, that buckle was a little tight when he tried to get back into his costume, you know. It was, it was a little tight. And, and his wife, she wasn't real tickled either. They had a little, some disagreements. In the process, he slipped on some skateboards, and he, and he broke some doorknobs because he's so powerful, and he, and he shattered some car windows. But he didn't let that, any of that get in the way of uh, getting back in the game. That didn't keep him on the sidelines. He got back in there, and he made a difference. So back to Saul. While he was sitting on the sidelines, his son Jonathan, Jonathan and his sidekick, they got tired of waiting. Jonathan got tired of waiting and decided that he needed to get in the game. Check this out. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Senna. One cliff stood north toward Michmash and the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Those are the non-Hebrews. And here is the next line that is important. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Will you say that? Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Then he goes on to say, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Now talk about getting in the game, amen? I mean, he's jumping in with both feet. Gutsy. Faithful. And how about the armor bearer? What's he say? Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. I'm all in. That's what heart and soul mean. I'm all in. Wow. As again, Mark Batterson shares, we underestimate the importance of an armor bearer. Now, an armor bearer, in this case, was somebody who carried the extra additional weapons for the warrior into the battle. But in addition, here's how it worked from what I read. The, the battler would strike guys down, and then the armor bearer would finish them off. He'd, 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 he'd get them down, and then that other guy, <laughs> you're done. You're done. It's important to have an armor bearer then. We need them in life, don't we? We need them in life. People who are with us, who are, uh, they've got our backs, who are following up on us, praying for us, believing in us, encouraging us. And here's the thing. We can't all be superheroes, can we? It's not how it's designed. It's just like on the gift mix. You know, everybody says, oh, I want that leadership gift. Well, um, be, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> the other thing is, not everybody's got the leadership gift, and that wouldn't be good. We, we can't all be leaders. We need armor bearers, don't we? That's what we need. We need good, strong, faithful armor bearers. Yeah, amen. Armor bearers. People who have our backs. We all need them. And Alan and I are blown away by those of you here who are our armor bearers. Amen that. Who have our backs. Who, as the scripture says, go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Thank you. We could not do this mm -hmm. without you. Mm -hmm. 
who are our armor bearers. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, part of being in a community of faith is that we can be each other's armor bearers, to be an encourager. And there's enough negative in the world. We do not need to be torn down. But instead, build one another up in love. That doesn't mean not hold each other accountable, but that too is done in love. So be an armor bearer, whether you're sitting here, thank you those who are joining us who have been armor bearers, who are armor bearers for us and for one another. So Jonathan and his armor bearer, they went up against this company of Philistines. Now remember, the Philistines were strong and mighty and powerful, and there's just two of them, Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they're going in and they are counting on the Lord, counting on the Lord, acting on their behalf. And so they show themselves to the Philistines in broad daylight. That was pretty gutsy. And Jonathan saying that if the enemy invites them to climb the hill, uh, climb up to battle them, it will be a sign that God will turn the Philistines over to them. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Well, the Philistines do invite them up, and they said that they will teach Jonathan and his armor bearer a lesson. Can you just imagine what lesson they think they're going to teach Jonathan? Anyway, Jonathan leads the attack, he and his armor bearer, and who follows closely behind. And between them, they kill 20 in that very first attack. And then mm. check out what happens Yeah, and next. there's many more. And there's That's just the ones more. that they were able to get through. There's many more. Then panic struck the whole Philistine army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. The ground shook. And why? It was a panic sent by God. Mm, wow. You know, when God's in the battle with you, <laughs> the enemy <laughs> doesn't have a chance. So at this point, I guess Saul kind of wakes up from his uh, sideliner-ness, and he realized, and he joined Jonathan in battle, you know, coming along, routing the Philistines. And that only happened because of Jonathan. Saul preferred, remember, to sit on the sidelines. But his son used his gift. He must have had a gift of leadership, and he used that gift. His son got in the game with his trusty sidekick, his armor bearer, and they made a difference in the world. Mark Batterson again says in his take on the incredible Incredibles using your gift, he said, Israel's history was changed that day by a man in his right mindset, and that was Jonathan. Because Jonathan thought, and this was the right mindset, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. He was in his right mind. If Jonathan had sat on the sidelines that day like his dad, who knows what the situation would have been. Okay, so let's talk about getting in the game and making a difference, okay? Let's go back to uh, August 2001. We're new to Middletown, and we hear about this thing called a peach festival. And we hear about so much, we figure, if we're going to start a new church, we, we, better, get, we better get in the game. <laughs> 
So, so a group of us who just, what, we've got one or two weeks. We've known each we've other. We've known each other about two weeks. These people who are interested in getting a church started, a few families from Cornerstone. We decide to uh, get together in a little corner shop there at the Four Corners, the northeast corner where it's now a, a, a bridal shop. At the time, it was a woman who had a candy shop. That was part of her shop. We knew her from Cornerstone. She let us kind of headquarter there for the day. And so we gave out some homemade cookies and some peach-colored balloons. Balloons were pretty simple. They said, Connection Church, coming soon. The reason they said coming soon was we knew the date. We were pretty sure it was going to be Christmas Eve. We just had no idea where. And it's August already. Actually, we didn't find where until mid-November. <laughs> Late November. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, so we're on one corner giving out cookies and balloons, and a, another church in town was on a, the other corner giving out soda. So between two of us, you could get a great snack and a balloon, you know, a cookie, a, snow, a soda, and a balloon. And, and then everybody else, it seemed like in the booth, and a lot of the churches were selling stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. They were trying to raise some money, but we realized early on who we were. Because we were there not to raise money. We were there to try to give away, to help people realize that's how God's love is. It's given away. You don't earn it. You can't buy it. You only, you get it for free. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so that's what we're there on that Peach Festival back in 2001. And here's the thing. From that humble uh, first Peach Festival experience, now on the corner, giving away some cookies, if you've been to Peach Festival the last couple of years, think about what, what, how it has evolved from that. Continue to give away hundreds of snow cones, hundreds of popcorn. We brought in the inflatables and all that, a little bit more, more, more to, where, to the point where everybody here knows, everybody in town knows Connection Church. And especially they know about Connection Church at the Peach Festival. That's where you go to get some water. That's where you go take the kid and cool off inside where there's some young kids. There's, you know, they know who we are because of what we've done and because we got off of the sideline and we got in the game. And we did something that made a difference. We started doing some free stuff. You know, there's a lot of other groups now that do free stuff. You know, one year even the town did some inflatables down, down by the uh, Boys and Girls Club there to follow what we had done because we were doing it for free. See, you get off the sidelines, you get in the game, and you make a difference. By the way, Peach Festival is almost here. If you're on the sidelines, it ain't much fun. Get off the sidelines. When you leave, they sign up and be a part of it and make a difference. Not just to the town, but to the kingdom. Yes. To the kingdom. Yes. What's the question we have for him this morning? Who? Who, who here was as, oh, is here? Oh, that question. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I'm thinking, <laughs> what's he saying? So I'm just wondering, who is here because they've heard of the Peach Festival and they decided to try Connection? Okay. Maritans, yes. So each, oh, Pickering's, awesome. So we have, we've had people across every service here because of the Peach Festival. And that's because you guys who were here made a difference, said hello, hand them water, and, and it worked. So now I'm wondering, who was here when we were on Four Corners handing out water and 
Devin? Devin didn't have much choice. I'll, I'll give her that. 10th <laughs> grade. Sarah, what were you in? Ninth grade? 10th grade? Eighth grade. Look, y'all growed up, both of you. Um, we, it was so cool because all y'all are here in part because of the DNA that's been poured Look in. Look at the explosion. About, yeah. And so it is so cool to see what's happened. And I know that there's some concern. Oh, we're moving out of town. What are we going to do about the Peach Festival? It's going to be okay because we've already got some cool ideas. And so we will be a presence in this town on the Peach Festival. And we will continue to be a presence in this town in the ministries like the food pantry that we do. So let's relax and be together with all of this. The beginning of this church is only in existence with everybody here today because of everybody here today who are doing everything that you do to make a difference in Jesus' name, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. We would not be here if it weren't for you and what you do. Yeah, not, not sitting on the sidelines but getting in the game. You know, we have a fairly minimal staff here for the size of the church, and that's because we have such incredible volunteer force. And in fact, the purpose of the staff, one of the major purposes of our staff is to empower and encourage the volunteer force here, which is all y'all. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. For those of you who are in the game already here at Connection, who are using your gifts for ministry to glorify God and to encourage others. We just want to say thank you. We celebrate what you're doing. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what God gives you the gifts for, to use them for his glory and for other people. And a couple people are joining us online who have been a part of this church in the past Amen. and have moved away. You're part of our history. Thank you for making us who we are. And if you're doing that, we know that you're receiving more than you're giving because that's how God makes things happen. Now, on the flip side, if you're not yet engaged, or maybe you're engaged in an area that just isn't, isn't working for you, it's just not, you know, it's just you look like Bob in his cuticle, and his cubic cuticle, cubicle at work, you know, like, you know, that... For those who aren't engaged or those engaged and it's not working, we've got some stations set up out in the parking lot for you to go out after church. There's like six of them, but within the stations there's multiples. To talk to people about the ministries that we offer because we have a lot of opportunities. And rather than sitting doing something you can't stand, find the place where God's going to rock you and your gifts and make a difference in the world. If you're not yet in the game, if you're still sitting on the sideline, we're going to say get off the bench. We're calling you into the game. It's time to play. It's time to make a difference. It's time to utilize those gifts that's God given you and to put them into action. You know, everybody's got to get off the sidelines and get in the game if that's where you are. You know, don't sit under the pomegranate tree. Yeah, it didn't work for Saul. It's not going to work for us. Don't wait patiently when you have a chance to get in the battle, when you have a chance to get in the game. And why we need you. But more than that, God wants you to make a difference. God has gifted you to make a difference. God's counting on you. You know, we have every gift we need right here in this congregation for what God has called us to do. Every single thing we need to do what God has called us to do, we have. 
The challenge is, have we, are we aware of it or are we using it? Because, you know, an unopened gift, you ever had a gift at Christmas that you didn't open? It's not much value, is it, if you don't know what's in the box? It's not much value if you don't open it and use it. Same with our gifts. We've got to put them into action. So check out what's underneath the canopies in the parking lot. Talk to some people. Talk about the exciting ministry opportunities that we have. Check the stations out and see where you can use your gifts, where you can be a part of the good news. You can be a part of the good news. Live it. Believe it. Be a part of it. Share it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God. <laughs> wow, spiritual gifts. How awesome is that? You, uh, you allow us to tap into your power. And, and you give us these opportunities. Wow, to, to do incredible stuff. We don't need a superhero costume. We, you've given us the supernatural powers. God, please give us the courage to just use them. To, to step out to use the gifts that you've given us for your glory and for the building up of the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that each one here will be willing to step out and, 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 and find what, you've, what you're calling them to do and how you're calling them to use those gifts. We look to you for all things, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All Connection Church said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.